Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today we have Pat Schlock and Jared Littner. Uh, it's a two-parter, so Pat gets on first to talk about his company, Ritual um, Angling, and uh, Jared a little, how it all came about, how he partnered up with uh, Justin Reynolds and Randy Spicer, and uh, yeah, so we talk about that, and then Littner talks about uh, the FLW, I'm, I'm sorry, MLF, all the all good stuff. It's a great interview. I liked it. Um, the, bear with me on the sound. I think it sounds okay, but I, you know me, I, I don't like doing call-ins. It's not that I don't want to get people on. I just like being in studio. That's what I like about doing the podcast. So this is great. It's fun. I just want to keep putting them out, you know, uh, keep uh, putting out media somehow. Um, this will be the first of, I guess, the COVID series. So it's all call-in. And I'll still put them up on YouTube. It'll just be a picture with hearing uh, the interview itself. I have coming up, I have Mike Escamillo, which is a host of a show with, um, I think it's Hummingbird and Motor Guide, I think. I'm not sure. I don't remember, but you guys will hear that one. It's a short one. It'll be a bonus one, I think. And then I have Bill Semental. Uh That was a pretty good one. He, he goes into a lot of details about uh, Mike Hart about the bait, all kinds of stuff. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, and then I'm gonna have coming up um, Troy Lender and UFO baits. So that'll be another one I'm gonna do. So yeah, we're just gonna try to move forward with this whole uh, calling thing and keep putting stuff out. I hope everyone's staying safe, doing the social distancing stuff. Um, so yeah, we'll catch up. I'm going to keep loading old episodes on YouTube, and I do have some giveaways I'm going to try to do with a couple guys uh, for shirts, maybe some gear. We'll see what we can do uh, to keep, I don't know, keep everyone interested in something interesting. I don't fucking know. But uh, I thought it'd be fun, and someone gave me some great advice on it, so I'm going to do it. I uh, hope you guys like this episode. Next week should be, I think, Bill, or there might be a bonus episode this week with Mike. So again, thanks you guys. Uh, five stars if you can on iTunes, and we'll—I uh, guess you'll hear from me next week. Later.
Aloha was born in Hawaii, but the Aloha spirit holds no geographic boundaries. With Aloha as our foundation, Olukai takes a different approach to footwear. Olukai crafts only the highest quality shoes and sandals with premium materials and artistic story detail with a style, durability, and versatility for today's watermen and waterwomen who lead an active, ocean-bound lifestyle. In fact, Olukai's water-friendly, I'm going to try this, Nohia Maku, Slip-on shoe and ulele sandal are actually made to get wet. Instead of me talking, I'm going to uh, insert Benny. Benny Florentino is a guest of the podcast, and he has way more experience with this than I do. So I'd rather have you guys hear the truth than me try to give you something fake. Listen. You know, I've been fortunate enough to be an, uh, an ambassador for Olukai for the past five years. And, you know, they just came out with ulele. Uh, it's all-day comfort footbeds. And the non-marking outer sole. So for those of you who have really expensive boats, they're not going to mark the sole up. And it's non-skid. That wet grip rubber outsole for great traction on wet surfaces is phenomenal. And they look good and comfortable. Whether you're loading up the boat with supplies at the dock, shoreline fishing from the rocks, or scoping out the best place to cast from the beach, Nohia Maku and Ulele is destined to keep you sure-footed with comfortable island style through every step of the journey. Shop or find your local retail at olukai.com. To support the podcast, go to www.olukai.com forward slash cast and crank. Please, guys, go. If you're going to buy a pair of sandals, just go out there. And uh, get online and go to that link. It's going to help us a lot. Check it in the bio of the podcast. Thanks again for listening, guys. Sounds good, dude. Well, uh, I guess this is how we're going to start the podcast. This is... uh the first of the COVID series. <laughs> so I, I don't really do call-ins and uh, Pat is going to do uh, the first episode of a call-in. I'm going to try to do for the next couple months until this shit blows over, dude, because uh, I don't even know what's going on with it. But Yeah, um, it would be nice to talk uh, talk about something other than COVID. Yeah, exactly. Um, how do you say your last name? I don't know how to say it. Uh, so I, I go by Schlock. Uh, there's a correct pronunciation uh of schlauch which is german but uh my dad always went by schlock and uh so i just kind of ran with so you guys you actually pronounce it differently than it's supposed to be just because that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's funny yeah. um so pat i met at uh fred hall this year uh my buddy joe from performance introduced me to him and uh i mean talk about your involvement i guess in the fishing industry kind of what you do and and uh, what you're doing, what company you're part of? Yeah, right on, man. Um, so um, I'm a local Long Beach guy. Uh, grew up, still live here. Um, I was fortunate that my father uh, worked in sporting goods his entire life. Um, he uh, he first opened up a tackle shop at the base of the Seal Beach Pier when he was uh, 18, 19, something right about there. Damn. And, uh, now he's 75. So, you know, he was in, in the career ever since after that. And then he became, uh, involved with big five sporting goods when they were very at an infant stage and, uh, worked with them for 45 years. And now he's retired and he's a Long Beach tuna club member. And <laughs> so he actually got involved with big five. Did he do the fishing department or was it just like everything? He, he was a buyer, uh, all different departments, uh, but uh, where he really loved uh, his position was in uh, uh, the tackle buyer 
and uh, he, he was a firearms and ammo buyer for a mm-hmm. while, and then he became a senior vice president of purchasing uh, and finished off in that role. But uh, he also owned the, the Dreamer, and uh, he was owner-operator of the Dreamer, meanwhile, still working at Big Five. Wow. When, you know, me and my brother, before we were born, and uh, right when we were born, it was uh, starting to get really rolling. And uh, so I had a fortunate ability to see uh, sport fishing at the inside of the industry, the tackle side of it, and also, uh, you know, down to just the sport fishing side of it, which is, you know, the end user and uh, in a six pack fashion. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you, he, he was buddies then with Alan then apparently, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he had to hire Alan because, you know, he had a full-time job and uh, the business started getting really busy um so because of you know that upbringing and i just kind of fell into place fell in line you know and i became a sales rep out of college and uh i i had real uh uh pleasure of having good lines to sell throughout the years in the different agencies i worked for uh daiwa shimano um you know and then i was shooting sports as well but now uh i'm Currently, as of today, I am this, the vice president of sales at Master Fishing Tackle. Cool, man. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And uh, uh, there, there's a transition in place uh, where I'm soon to be the owner. Should be should have finished up Friday, but with this COVID thing going up, you know, going on, the, the paperwork can get done. Um, but uh, the guy, I, I guess I, I should kind of you want to talk more on that or yeah well yeah i want to go well, man what I mean, is what's you know, the master what is that so what do you what does that actually do so do master do? right now is uh it's all entry level uh price point you know everybody's got to start fishing somewhere and uh the man who was co-founder jerry rodstein he gave me the opportunity uh to come on board three years ago with the intention of me taking over when he passed away mm-hmm uh, you know, when he hired me, he was 85 years old and Jerry and his brother, Harvey were the ones who started Roddy, the vintage company. Everyone knows the old, uh, you know, BR nineties, BR one hundreds. And, uh, so those guys started the fish and tackle industry. And when they were teenagers, honestly, uh, they were buying blanks at first, I think from Conlon if I remember correctly, and they were just wrapping them. And then they got into um, actually buying rolling tables and rolling rods themselves in Gardena. And long story short, over the years, you know, the brothers separated their ways and Jerry kept master as part of the deal because they also had an air tool company. Uh Jerry loved the fishing industry. Jerry kept it and he just kind of, was fortunate to be retired very early in life and just wanted to be involved with the industry. He didn't really care about what he was selling. You know, he just wanted to be uh, associate with his friends because of the industry he'd worked in for so many years. And so it just stuck to like entry level rod and reel combos and those, uh, those mighty mites that you see the little two foot, uh, ice fishing combos. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, it's like every, 
everyone fishes in a different way, right? Like, yeah. do you do it once a year? Do you do it 200 days a year? Um, you know, not everybody's all gung ho, go out, catch a big bluefin. Um, you know, some of my best memories were just fishing bass with the family on a mooring in Avalon. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, that's completely true. I mean, even I had those those little ice rods. I just buy them for my kids because they want to fuck around with them, you know. Like, <laughs> so see, that that's that's a valid point. But um, you also you also are part of another company, correct? Yeah, uh, Ritual Angling with Justin Reynolds and Randy Spicer and Jared Littner and um, the uh, that that came into play because when I came into Master, I knew master needed something different um you know and something at a different price point and still something targeted to you know most people's budgets um you get really really good stuff you know at at a low price you don't have to spend top dollar to have what you need um so i started working on some some action samples from a factory that Jerry stopped doing business with like 20 years ago and they make rods for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've walked the factories and you see everybody's <laughs> name, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but it's, uh, it's been fun. You know, I, I, so when I first started getting action samples, um, in, in progress, I, I knew that I needed help, uh, on the marketing side mm-hmm. and, uh, I've known Justin Reynolds for a really long time through association of a guy I lived with, with him for many years. And, uh, I started talking to Justin about it. I said, Hey man, I think I have the ability to, uh, make some rods and I'm, I'm needing help on the media side, the graphic design, even the creative, you know, yeah. I didn't even have a name at that point. And, uh, so in in the works, uh, Russ, Justin came out with a name, Ritual Angling. It was just on on point with what I was feeling for this brand, you know, these this rod line. Yeah, and uh, you know, it was targeting bass, just general bass. You know, you, you really look at it, and you go anywhere, any state in North America, any part in you know Canada, even Mexico, dude. Uh, <laughs> you're going to find bass in a, in a freshwater body. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, that, that transitions into the calico bass stuff, what we do out here and, um, you know, on a, on a heavier scale, of course. Yeah. Um, but, uh, a bass is a bass and, you know, it's just kind of like, it, how do you want to do it? And how do you want to apply them? Uh, crankbait swims the same way as saltwater as it does yeah. in fresh for the most part except for buoyancy, but, uh, and then Jared Littner got involved and I became involved with Jared Littner, uh, man, 10 years ago about right when he came on board, he, how long, how long, has, uh, how long has, um, ritual been around for, uh, we introduced in ICAST of 2018. So okay. July of 2018. Okay. So, so we spent, you know, quite a while getting the rods right you know like getting them to feel what we were looking for what and you have you have a whole lineup too right now we have two series of rods so we have uh 
an R1 series of rods, which is like our, our entry level, which are 119 to 129 MSRP. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only seven rods in that line. Um, it's just like a quiver of what you would need to get yourself through a day, no matter yeah, what like application a, you had to fish. Do you have a spinning rod too? Um, not in the R1, we don't. No, we made okay. uh, a medium action, uh, just a generic bass, uh, seven-foot rod, uh-huh. conventional, that you could do finesse fishing with. You know, It's not like pinpointing every little aspect of bass fishing, but what could you make do with yeah. in a complete series? Yeah. From gen- general jig and worm rods, crankbait rods, uh, topwater rods swim bait rod and even a flipping rod and you know i think for most people in, in general when it comes to rods like it's been funny working the shows over the years the fred hall shows because <laughs> you see so many people and and you could you could hold on to one rod and hand it to everybody that walks by and everyone's got a different look on what they would do with it yeah i agree and and one guy's 30 pound rod is another guy's 40 pound rod yeah and it, it's it's really hard to be uh, all things to all, all people, or the right thing to all people, I guess so, I should say. So you're almost making the rod to a generalized uh, rod. So, like, I might use a flipping rod for a calico stick also, you know, or something like that. For sure. That. Yeah. So you're kind of making yeah. just a generalized rod at a good price point so people can use a nice fishing rod, pretty much, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much on point with what I'm um, trying to do. And when you, so was that the first series you did was the R1? So we did them both at the same time. Okay. Um, The second series of rods uh, is a a little uh, higher price point. It's 169, 179, but it's built on a composite blank. The the R1s are an uh, IM8 blank. Okay. Um, Very common in the market. Yeah. the composite blanks in the R2 are just, you know, crisper. Uh, it, you just have have more feel in, in the blank. Um, and, and we expanded that series on what we already had in the R1. So the actions in the R1 could be found in similar models or the same model in R2. Like the taper on the rod will be the same. Yeah, and you also had uh higashi help out a little on the design yeah that's yeah. cool man um you know because i first started off with blanks just action blanks you uh-huh. know and if they weren't right it's like no this isn't right let's get something else and then higashi with really laying out the rods um and even you know i i did discuss with uh retailers on you know what actions to go forward with i had a good understanding of selling uh previous brands of rods um so you, and you've been selling in the uh, different. You've worked at a couple different companies, correct? I mean, well, so you kind of know what people are buying. So that's kind of a helpful point, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and from all and from all companies too, because you know, I I really got to give my hat off to, uh, to all the all the tackle retailers out there. It's a it's a hard industry to be in, man. I mean, you you think of all the the jigs and weights and hooks and everything you have yourself. Yeah. They, they have that filled on peg hooks, you know? Yeah. And more. And, uh, so you see like certain brands of rods that are selling better than others and certain models by certain 
certain companies selling better. Um, so yeah, I, I got, I got an inside track on, you know, the rods that people were buying and what people were into. And it's, it's still tough to keep oh, it narrow. I bet. I bet. Yeah. And you guys, are you guys having them? Um, how are they manufactured? So I know like the only rod company I had on previously was bit Irod and he kind of said, you know, Oh, uh, yeah, we're, we're overseas in China. Okay. Um, and, uh, Jerry had a long standing relationship uh, with with the guy who owns the factory. I guess him and his brother, you know, they they started overseas. Jeez, uh, man, fifty years ago. Wow! And they went from first, like I think it was Japan. Uh, at first, the the Roddy reels were made by Daiwa. Uh huh. Because Jerry's brother Harvey had a relationship with someone at Daiwa for some other type of manufacturing at that time. I can't remember what it was, but um, if you see the old Roddy vintage reels, spinning reels, you'll see made by Daiwa on the foot as a the real real mm-hmm. body. Um, and so you know when Jerry was telling all these factories that he was bringing someone on board, when I first came into Master. People were flying in from China to meet me, man. It was it was pretty weird. Pretty cool, um, right? I mean, shit. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was. It was, you know, it kind of uh, sank in at that point, like, who Jerry was and uh, how far back he goes just in the industry to a level aside, you know, way beyond retail. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so they do come from China. Um, many, many rods do, as everyone knows. No, I, I, I know that. I just wonder how, like, how it goes. You know, like I like knowing the back story a little yeah. bit of the company. It's kind of cool, you know. Yeah, I can tell you, man. I got <laughs> solid inventory of the rods, and we're starting to branch out into more and more retail shops locally. We first started, first started with Tackle Warehouse, um, and because of not just because of Jared's involvement, but mm-hmm. I, I had the, 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 I, I guess, you know, more fortunate position to not have to depend on these rods for a living. Yes. J- just like everyone else who's involved, you know, Randy and Justin, you know, they, they put a lot of creative time into this and, uh, have done an excellent job on everything they've completed and, uh, we got day jobs, you know, and yeah, just like I do the podcast. Like I don't depend yeah, on yeah, the man. podcast. And, it's just uh, a fun, thing. you know. It's a hobby slash, you know, I don't know how how the scale would tip, but passion, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we first started with just tackle warehouse to get a, a feel for how they were going to be accepted. Jared uh, was planning to come on board and. Uh, at the start of his MLF season and um, he was gung ho on, on moving forward. And so we worked out an agreement with Jared and Jared's a really good, just human being. man. Uh-huh. He's, uh, he's, he's salt of the earth, man. Arroyo Grande, you know, <laughs> his family goes back generations and uh, he did a great job his first year. I mean, I think he finished 16th or something overall. It's great. Um, right. I mean, yeah. yeah. And, uh, he's doing it again. They're postponed because of this COVID thing, which is killing me. I thought it was going to be the only, <laughs> uh, live streaming professional sport yeah. um, left, but, 
unfortunately they postponed this last week i think wow yeah so now yeah we got them in a tackle warehouse we got them at a place up in central california called jim's pro bass uh-huh. um really cool bass shop up there and jim runs a lot of tournaments and performance tackle uh the the previously mentioned retailers uh catch them tackle uh he he was one of the first uh after t- tackle warehouse and thank you Thank you to Jason for the support and everybody. Cool guy too. And, yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah, and recently uh, we we added on uh, Turner's Outdoorsman and East County Bait and Tackle and uh, Barnacle Bills Bait and Tackle down down for the San Diego crew. Nice, nice. And then, yeah. um, so you're so you're only, I guess. Well, I guess consider like Reynolds and Spizer their pro staff, but it's. No, man, they're, they're marketing directors and, you know, co-owners of, of ritual angling, man. It's been a very big group effort. Oh no, but I mean, I mean, but like as, as pro staff, do you guys only really have Littner? Littner and, 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 you know, the, the Reynolds crew, I guess I could call with the Spicer and him. Okay. Uh, we, we really haven't had, you know, a whole lot of money to work with to do this, man. I mean, I, I did the rods. Um, because of my position and, and ability to source and, and work on the actions and stuff. And what uh, f- was lucky enough to coerce uh, Jerry Rodstein into letting me do this. And <laughs> and uh, he, he, he let me pay for the rods through Master. And it's just been a slow growth thing. Uh, I, I didn't want to jump too far ahead of ourselves. Um, Which is really but, easy to do, right? I mean, it's, it's an I easy mean, thing. I mean, yeah, I was lucky <laughs> to be able to play it on the safer side and, um, we, we have good inventory and are starting to look at, uh, more retailers and would like any inquiries to come our way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Jared's been, uh, uh, a huge, huge asset in, in this whole thing. And, um, he's a really fun guy to work with, especially on the product side. Cause you know, he, he's been bass fishing hardcore for so long and, uh, you know, he, he's fished a lot of rods and he's just a pleasure to work with, man. We, we talk a lot and openly if someone's not right, he tells me is the, uh, higher end model, his model. We, we did, uh, recently. So yeah, I guess I mentioned we, we introduced in 2018 and then this past year, ICAST 2019, we introduced five Jared Littner signature series rods. And um, these were rods that were based on some signature series rods he had years before Shimano when he was with Powell. Okay. And, uh, you know, there were specialty rods. It was like the uh, Deep Crank, and he had, he had a punching rod and a spinner, spinner bay rod, chatter bay rod. And uh, they were five he really wanted to do again. And so we just uh worked on a few sets of action samples and got them to where he liked them and uh they're they're in the same family as the r2 so all the littner rods are 169 msrp okay yeah so you kind of just based it off what he liked and it's kind of his his what he rules with there were Um, some things he needed you know um for guys like jared um they're very particular um and they need a certain thing to fish a certain way while they're on tour. And he didn't want to be without. And I understood that it was something we talked about long before, like when we introduced the R ones and R twos the year earlier and, uh, had it in mind. And, um, 
made some badass rods, man. The, the, there's there's a seven five rod um, in that series that I like for a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. Um, so yeah. Uh, and you've known you Jared. Talk. You've known Jared for a little while. That's kind of how you you guys uh, came together on the deal, like getting him well, to, to fish for you. Just over time, you know. I mean, when you when you work for now now that I have the ability to um, kind of autonomy to do the things wanted to be done, um, y- you can't direct a big ship to go a small direction, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know where I'm trying to say here. Uh, help <laughs> me out with what you want to so, know. <laughs> uh, so I'm just talking about your relationship with with Jared, like uh, how you got him to come fish for you. I actually got a call from one of his sponsors um, saying that back when he, I think he had a real sponsor. I think it was Abu before he went to Shimano, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was kind of just like, I think it was just like a product only kind of deal. And his biggest deal was with Powell. um, And when that fell apart, um, he was looking for a sponsor and I got a call saying, Hey, you should talk to Jared about Shimano. And, so I just threw it up up the ladder, you know, and um, things ended up coming together with him and Shimano. And so being the local rep, I mean, knowing product introductions, being able to call Jared and make sure he has product to uh, be in time with introductions. I mean, we, we, we talked in depth about product over, you know, almost 10 years now, I think. Wow. Yeah. Right about there, probably. Yeah. Yeah. No, not quite. Seven years, probably. Seven. I mean, you can't tell fucking these days anymore, right? Right now, we don't even know what fucking day it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Uh, and and Jared's, uh, you know, switch his switch to MLF has uh, been really good for him, man. Um, he likes to change, and I think it's kind of put a breath of fresh air in his lungs and uh, had a little rough start so far, but there's a lot of season left. Yeah. And yeah, he uh, and, uh, he he kind of uh, you guys filmed some of the stuff for Tackle Warehouse with him. Uh, I seen when he came down here and fished with Justin Spotties. That was really cool video you guys put out. Or Tackle yeah, Warehouse yeah. did. Does Tackle Warehouse come do those videos, or do you guys do them and give them to Tackle? Um, Warehouse? Tackle Warehouse did some of their own, and then uh, at the same same time, you know, uh, Reynolds and and Spicer would uh, uh, record content on on their own. Uh, hardware and they do their own edit up of some of the same trips we did with the tackle warehouse guys oh, okay yeah because yeah. that's um, those are really i like watching those i mean i watched that. that's always a lot of fun too <laughs> yeah I mean, you know every, everyone's really close in age really and um this this new like this new trend in fishing is really cool like uh, they're fishing's a thing now and i i remember growing up and not everyone fished and and i guess not everyone really talked about it of course social media has got the ability to um put it in front of more people yeah um but uh, there's this like cool trend of fishing where you see young kids with skateboards riding down to the water to go cast not to go skate somewhere and uh it's really cool to see and especially working the shows and seeing this younger generation of kids who you know i think a lot of them can't even drive yet 
you know, they're spending their <laughs> their allowance or whatever, you know, leaf freaking money they, they earned up. Um, <laughs> I wish I get my so it's kind of a fun, man. And, 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 you know, knowing that, like, and, and seeing things uh, of all different price points, you know, there's, of course, there's a customer at every price point level. But for the mass of people, you know, f- fishing's, fishing's a, a, a hobby. It's a it's not a necessity item, you know, to a degree, I guess. Yes. Yes, it absolutely is. But in abundance, like it, it, it's, it's hard. And sometimes for people to have the extra cash yeah, to buy a higher price point. And we try to come up with things that, you know, for the everyday guy, you know, it's in the wheelhouse affordable, but you know, uh, you get good performance. Yeah. You're trying to keep a standard too. You don't want to just put out, you know, anything i get get what you're saying completely yeah yeah man um so yeah uh please uh for the people listening go go check out the rods i know it's taken us a lot of time for having uh retail locations for feeling them in hand and 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 in person do you guys sell uh, online too um no we're not selling the rods online ourselves um you know we're leaving that up to the retailers which is cool you know they, they support us and you know right now we're we're still trying to figure a lot of things out yeah i bet man having a, a company and and doing that i mean i can't imagine i mean i'd like i said the only person i really talked to was newman and i've watched irod a little bit just because i know a couple guys that kind of help out with them and it looks like a a lot of work dude you know yeah it, it and it's never done the same way by anybody you yeah. know i mean circumstances considered um you know, but that's been kind of the one of the absolute uh, best things I got out of working for Master and Jerry Rodstein was, you know, hearing the old stories, man. I mean, this this industry was buck wild back in the day, <laughs> man. I, I mean, there weren't so many competitors, um, but you were just able to do different things, man. There was one point in time where Jerry and his brother introduced these rods they called the gator tails and we still offer these rods called gator tails they're a solid tip rod so they're they're like an ugly stick they're very durable rods at, a, at an affordable price point you know fiberglass tubular blank to oh. solid tip and um the they left them unsanded at the tip and with that poly tape under the paint had the appearance of what they called a gator tail and so when they dubbed them the gator tails, they came up, Jerry came up with the idea of giving out baby alligators to their customers and, uh, you know, uh, publishers or uh, magazine people yeah. and sent live alligators to people's offices Damn. and, uh, to help market the rods. And I got some classic old photos of them in the office with all these baby alligators. Um, Dude and like not a not a handler do you just like did the handler come and bring them they you know what i'm saying them, I, I can't remember what country they bought them from <laughs> but this was back when you were able to get things through i mean yeah, I, 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 customs I don't and stuff. know how or the details but they showed up and, and jerry said they opened the crates and there's like a 30 percent kill rate or something like that like oh my god dead dude. on arrival and they were very small at first, and so they had to feed them. And I think they were feeding them goldfish, and they started to grow really fast. And Dude. so they started boxing <laughs> them up and shipping them out to individual people, <laughs> and throwing them in the lakes. Next thing you know, <laughs> yeah. And, the, and the, there were some uh, there were some retailers in 
in the middle of America. One, one old timer came up to me at ICAST and we have a backdrop on our ICAST booth of this old photo with the Gators. And, uh, he says, you know, my, my dad had one of those got to be 12 feet long. We kept it in the yard. Oh shit. And, uh, it's just kind of funny. It makes you think you see all these gators uh, on TV. You wonder how many maybe came from Jerry and his brother. There you go. Right. <laughs> just, just doing promotional shit the way you needed yeah. to do it back then. <laughs> yeah, there was a point in time, too, where uh, Leon Todd worked for uh, Jerry and his brother. And at one, at one time, he was actually the president of Master Fishing Tackle before he started CalStar. Wow. Yeah, so Some history, I mean, dude, and you've you've been evol- involved in a lot of this just from your dad to this, you know, just through association, you know, and and it took me a long time uh, to really appreciate uh, the experiences that I had, and um, you know, it was probably eye opening when I became a rep, and you know, everyone's you know telling me about you know their experiences with my father, and and we still have a lot of my father's friends are industry people reps factory previous factory uh personnel what have you vendor personnel and uh this industry is very tight man uh it's fishing something that's common ground for just about every walk of life you know um so it it, sorry something just popped in i got this (laughs) app on my phone no problem shit um that's what we're learning. You're you're the uh, test out for this whole thing because I never really do these at all. So this is kind of like the first uh, call in kind of deal, you know? Yeah, I just had to turn something off, man. No problem. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so I, t- I was talking about Leon working at Master and, and oh yeah, just the industry as a whole, man. It, it's like you see one guy working for one company one year and the next year he's somewhere else and. From Do, from top down, I mean, retailers, there's no way to, to really industry. to stop that if you're you. That's kind of you know. Why, it's tight, do you think people do you think man. people jump around for a reason, or it's just kind of like you got to no, do what you got to do? No, you know I, what I'm saying? I don't think so. I, I mean, to to each his own, you know. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, different circumstances for everybody, but uh, what I'm trying to say is, you know, you look at the Fred Hall show, man. And, you see all different people there that do fishing in a different way. And yeah. Fishing such a big word. Um, when, when you start breaking it up and looking at the different, you know, regions, what species people fish, fly fish, conventional saltwater, freshwater. At the end of the day, everyone fishes, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it's just been unique being able to see the industry to where I am now to where, where I came from and, and just loving to fish, loving to hunt, and being a kind of outdoorsy kind of upbringing. Um, it's good to see people doing that. Yeah, yeah. Get back into it. Um, so if someone wants to reach out to, to you, they can just, uh, for ritual, either you or Reynolds or Spizer, I'm sure, on the page. Do you yeah, if you got routing queries, uh, you know, definitely send them my way or, uh, you know, or anything. We'll get it to the right person. Uh uh, ritual rods at gmail.com that'll that'll get you rod information or even if you got warranty questions please hit me up there um almost likely answer that um master fishing is just pat schlock at gmail sounds good dude 
Well, yeah. I appreciate you being on the first uh, phone interview. And uh, yeah, check out. I hope I didn't ramble too much. No, not at all, dude. Not at all. I'm. I mean, I'm learning. Look at I fucked this up by letting the Pro Tools mess up. But <laughs> uh, thanks for for having patience with me. And I hope you guys like this one. And I think we're gonna do a combo. We'll do this and Jared together, since it's part Brad. of one deal. You know. So the next drive, keep listening, and we're gonna hear uh, Jared Littner next. So that's their pro staff, and he's gonna uh, actually come on the podcast and do a call in. So thanks, guys, for listening. Hey, thanks, Nick. All right, I guess we have Jared Littner on. Uh, I want to tell him about my favorite pizza place. Was it called Klondike's? Is that, that Klondike's. Oh, my buddy Dennis uh, lives in Arroyo Grande. And uh, he. Uh, I, every time I go up there, we go to that place and get the uh, fettuccine. I think it's like uh-huh. the white sauce pizza. I'm, I'm not sure which one it is. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, <clears throat> they make one called the Roadkill. It's really good. Yeah, that place is great. Uh, and it's a cool town. I like going up there. And doing, uh, I've surf fished up there once before. Oh yeah, 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 yep. yeah. Surf fishing's really good. Actually, I heard uh, from a buddy of mine that was surf fishing the other day that some guys are catching like fifteen to twenty pound stripers right off the beach. Oh my gosh, you guys' perch up there is huge too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get. Uh, he caught a couple in the two and a half pound range the other day. Oh my gosh, that's huge. Mm-hmm. It's just been, you know, this week's been, I was wanting to go, but it's been so windy, the offshore winds and stuff. I mean, it's blowing bad. <clears throat> so it kind of, kind of messes with the, uh, currents and all that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And now you got a break, right? Because, uh, no, uh, MLF right now, right? Yeah. We're kind of on hold, uh, right now. Um, I was supposed to fly out, uh, sunday to head to north carolina but they uh, postponed that one um and they i mean we're just kind of like i said in a holding pattern we don't you know they don't want to jump the gun and say this one's canceled that one's canceled because who knows when the restrictions and everything you know kind of starts getting back to normal you know did they cancel it because they closed the lakes or was it because uh just I felt uh, MLF is like uh, we don't want to do it and take any chances. Um, well, I mean, from what from what they told us, it was, you know, we were going to go into Raleigh Durham, uh, which is you know a pretty big area, you know, uh, a lot of people, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of guys were going to have to stay in hotels and things like that, and mm-hmm. and uh, Raleigh Durham basically, you know. Uh, pretty much shut down the, the ramps and stuff. The Armored Corps engineers that, that takes care of a lot of the ramps and they just didn't want, you know, uh, extra possible problems to, you know, to happen. Um, you know, it's for everybody's safety and stuff like that. Um, the fishing aspect of it, you know, I don't think is a, is that much of an issue because the way the format of major league fishing is you have a boat official, and, you know, if you're doing well or, you know, what, different circumstances, you're going to have a camera guy. But on a 21-foot boat, you know, obviously he can still stay six feet apart and you can kind of isolate yourself. But it's just the the traveling aspect of it, I think, yeah. is what um, caused us to postpone, you know. Cause you were... There's guys, guys coming from California, guys coming from Florida, guys yeah. coming from New York, everywhere. So it's kind of like... You know, we can't can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you probably you were fishing at the time when it kind of hit California a little harder. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you probably didn't even know like what was going on. Where you get home and it's kind of like, oh man, 
<laughs> no, well, what happened is I was actually in this little town called Quitman, Texas. Mm-hmm. So um, it just kind of, it's about 80 miles east of Dallas, right there below Lake Fork. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carrie, my wife, actually flew out and surprised me. Um, and she's like, yeah, you know, there's this crazy, you know, corona thing going on and i was like what are you even talking about because where i was at there's like i said a little small texas town and i mean you wouldn't nothing out of the ordinary was happening you know everything was normal people weren't talking about it i mean nobody was talking about it well and then as the week progressed i think she flew in on wednesday and then by like friday it was like Oh my gosh, look what's happening in New York. Look what's <laughs> happening in California. This yeah. and all these rumors started flying around. I'm like, holy smokes. And we're both back in Texas. Our kids are at home. My other, well, my older son was at Boise State uh-huh. at the university. And we're like, well, we got to get back home. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, so yeah, it happened that quick. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, right at, at Fred Hall, I was at Fred Hall. And uh, I mean, Shimano wasn't there. Uh, yep. I heard it was really slow compared to the previous years, you know, of, of, uh, people. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, uh, <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it, it, I really didn't, you know, kind of grasp it. Cause we were, like I said, we we're in this little tiny town and, uh, we didn't have cable television. So we were watching like YouTube stuff, you know, yeah. on Roku or whatever where that thing is roku whatever that is. and uh we were watching that and just kind of getting little news updates here and there and then when we i left my truck and my boat at a friend of mine's house right there in texas mm-hmm. and we got a car rental and we drove to dfw huge airport right there in dallas yeah and driving into the town this is like at four o'clock in the afternoon i was like yeah we go better leave early because of traffic it's not as bad as los angeles but it's pretty bad yeah Um, we're driving in there and like there's hardly anybody around i'm like this is kind of weird you know and we get we get to the airport you know get back the return the car rental uh walk straight into tsa like straight front front of the line like nobody in there walk right through there it took us like three minutes went into the terminal which is huge it's like lax mm-hmm. and there's like a hundred people like just sitting around like uh, it was i was like holy crap this is <laughs> this is weird i mean it's kind of eerie you know there's like 25 people on our flight and i was like wow yeah i mean you it's know. i i only ask you because i saw you kind of traveling i don't want to be a downer debbie downer and talk about this everyone's hearing about it all the time but I sure. kind of was interested because I, I follow you on Instagram and I kind of seen your story and you're kind of like coming back at it later. So that's kind of why I asked you, uh, you yeah. know, what your, 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 no perception was of it so far. But, um, let's talk about fishing. Let's talk about something yeah, a little man. more <laughs> lighthearted, huh? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it's a serious deal and I just, you know, I just hope that people don't, you know, totally, uh, you know think this is the end of the world and all that i mean it's it's very serious and it's a you know obviously a a epidemic but uh you know i think everybody will get through it and you just stay safe and be smart wash your hands uh, we'll get through it man we'll get back to fishing unfortunately my freaking boat is still in texas (laughs) with my truck so now i'm looking at it going well, who knows how long we're going to fish, so I might get a car rental rather than get it on a plane and drive back there, grab my boat and truck, and drive back. 
Yeah, you might have to. You might <laughs> well, have to. I mean, I'm going going kind of stir crazy. At least if I have my boat here, I could be working on tackle and yeah, you know, organizing and doing stuff like that. But right now, I'm trimming trees and <laughs> pretty much cook, figuring out what's for dinner. That's the uh, that's the big thing of the day. Oh, same here, man. It's it's that and uh, getting the Traeger out, right? You're a Traeger guy, yeah. too. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. We, we, as soon as we got back the next day, well, when I was in Texas, I called a butcher friend of mine, and I'm like, hey, uh, I need to order some stuff. He's like, yeah, you and everybody else. <laughs> so uh, we drove up there. We landed on Wednesday night. We drove up there Thursday, and we picked up, like, I don't know how many pounds of tri-tip and chicken and, and you know, bacon, uh, all kinds of stuff. So we're pretty much set up. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's the question today. Are we having chicken, beef, or pork today? Uh, it's a big <laughs> right. toss-up. So today I'm going to do some chicken, actually, on the, my oak pit because I haven't had my oak pit fired up in a long time. Oh, wow. like, you know, that sounds kind of different. Kinda yeah. So, uh, so how's your season going so far for you? You know, the fork was the was my best finish so far. Mm-hmm. Um, the first two events, I mean, I'd never had had been to Lake Eufaula in Alabama, and I, you know, I read about it and I've seen, you know, seen tournament results. And we're not in our format; we're not allowed to talk to anybody. That's once the schedule is released, we can't even. You know, if you know somebody, you can't go, hey, man, are the fish biting? You can't even ask that question, let alone wow. get waypoints or any kind of information. So, and and that being said, I'd never have been that kind of guy could just because being from California, I don't know that many people. And I, I've learned that even, even locally, right? If a guy tells me, hey, man, they're biting this red crankbait at Lopez and it, you know, in this side of the lake. Nine times out of ten, you can go out there and throw that red crankbait exactly where he's talking about and not catch him. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just just the way it is. It's very hard to catch other people's fish, and that's what I've always – I've learned that throughout the years, you know, fishing mm-hmm. pro-ams and different things, even at the Delta, Clear Lake, like I said, my home lakes, and guys will be like, oh, man – you got to go up into Rodman and flip a blue jig on, on this certain type of tree. And you're oh, okay, man. So you go buy all these jigs, you go up there, you never get bit. And then you go do what you are confident in doing in the areas you're confident in. And guess what? You catch fish. So do you think that that, that applies to yeah. maybe just because my uncle, I always talk about my uncle, he's a bass club guy. So I, he's told me the same thing, you know, and, Mm-hmm. He's actually gave his rod to the guy on the boat with him, the co-angler, and be like, try it, and it still doesn't work. Do you think it's just how you present it, and it's like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, you just can't match someone else's perfect presentation 100%. Well, I, I think that, as well as, I mean, I don't care what you're throwing, uh, you know, mainly with bass fishing, but I've seen it also with crappie here recently before I went to Fort, but... Mm-hmm if you're not confident in what you're throwing and what you're doing and you know, you, you kind of get a feel for um, what the fish are doing, how to, how to present that bait, like you said, or how, you know, what, what little subtle action or if they don't want any action, whatever it is. And you get confident in what you're doing. And it's hard to give the guy, like you said, here, take my rod and, and dude, they're biting this. Well, <laughs> He might catch one, 
but he's not going to he's not going to be as proficient as you are because you're dialed in, you're confident in it, you know exactly what's going on. Um, I fished with lots of guys, you know, in my career, you know, different team partners and pro am events and things like that. And I mean, it, it's uh, I've just learned to to stay kind of you know true to yourself and what you feel on the water whatever yeah. given circumstances there are and, and i don't think there's a i don't think there's a wrong approach to do that i mean certainly you know in a tournament setting or whatever yeah you might you know you might not win that day um because somebody else figured out the right exact pattern or something like that yeah but you gotta look at it like you know the the next tournament that might be your bite so you can't go chasing all these different um, these different patterns and different things you hear, you know, the doc talk type things. I mean, over my career, I, I was with uh, BASS for I think fourteen years, thir- mm-hmm. thirteen or fourteen years, <clears throat> and I, I fell into that. You know, I, I'd, some of my roommates would be like, "Dude, they're biting a Carolina rig lizard on this <laughs> on the you know main lake ledges." Okay, I'd go out there and try it, dude. Nothing. And I'd go do what I want to do, and I'd be fine. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's. I, I think, I think you know, a lot of guys, um, you know, take take that doc talk way way too seriously. Now, there's nothing wrong with you know watching vlogs or watching videos on on you know how to throw a jig or how to you know drop shot or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. You know what, what guys use for crankbaits, whatever. But you still have to go out there and fish it yourself and see what works for you. You know, all I can do, like when I do my tackle warehouse vlogs and stuff like that, I just talk. You know, I never say you need to do this. I say this is what I do. It works for me. You know, and and here's some different ideas that you can either take it and apply it and try it or not it's totally up to you i mean fishing is one of those things that's there's no right or wrong answer every time yeah yeah so i mean even like so when you talk about not getting any waypoints or anything because you know that's the rules of mlf what's the first thing you want to do like because you got to think of your style i guess when you're going onto that lake do you do you kind of like look at maps and go okay well i'm going to hit this section for a little while do you have like a go-to bait, a search bait? Is it a spinner well, bait? Or is it, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, that's a great question because you know, throughout my career, I've been to lakes where I've never even couldn't even pronounce the names of, let alone <laughs> tell you which state they're in. And uh, you know, the way I kind of do things is, <clears throat> I always try to get a paper map first of all, old school paper map, which you know now everything's kind of online, but I like having that just to kind of reference it you know and and then i'll get all my graphs i got you know the garmin stuff and it's really good you know detail and i'll kind of find out you know depending on the time of year if it's pre-spawn spring post-spawn summertime whatever and a bass is a bass it doesn't matter if it's in new york or in california or anywhere in between they still kind of follow the same type of patterns is it a lot of a lot of you know, there's a lot of variation in habitats, like in Florida. I mean, shoot, the deepest lake I've ever fished there, I think, is 15 foot. Wow. So, so I mean, Damn. it's not like you know my home lake here, Lopez, where it's 
110 feet at the deepest part. Yeah. And it's all full of rock. Well, but they all still follow the same type of patterns. You, you look for the same type of, you know, spawning bays or, you know, where they're going to go post-spawn. And you kind of get an idea, okay, this section of the lake. Um, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Based on my map, my paper map, and then my graphs, my electronics, you know, with the mapping and all the Navionic stuff on it, um, this has everything that a fish should need Um in these areas now until you get there and visibly see it it might be there's nothing in the water for them to hold on you don't know i mean until you actually see it and google earth nowadays is a fantastic tool because that's the next step we'll take once i identify okay this section of the lake it's got these two creeks or whatever it may be it's got these flats it's got this it's got this now i'll get on google earth and go okay what does the shoreline look like is there standing timber in the lake? Is there vegetation that you can see? Because you can zoom in, you know, even on your TV. If you have a smart TV, Google Earth and run your phone through it, and you can zoom in and go, okay, there's bushes, there's laydowns, or, you know, there's grass or whatever. And then you can kind of, without visibly seeing it, you kind of go, okay, I, I like this area. Um, so I'm going to go look at this the first day. And then... You know, and then if that if that works out, that's cool. I'll I'll stay in that area maybe the second day of practice and kind of more fine tune it. Or, you know, okay, it looks great, everything's here, but the fish aren't biting. They're not here. I'm gonna go. I, I, I go from one extreme to the other because yeah. what I've found is the fish are generally in sections of the lakes, especially these big lakes that we fish back east. That I kind of go, I third the lake up. So, you know, if I've chose to fish in the upper third of the lake, I'll go to the bottom third of the lake. If the fish weren't biting in that section of the lake, I didn't feel, and I'll go to the extreme and go try that other side, you know, that other end or whatever, whatever it may be mm-hmm. and kind of utilize the same techniques, the same patterns, maybe, you know, obviously some adjustments if day one was totally a disaster, but that that is one thing I've learned fishing back east, as opposed to a lot of California lakes, like Lopez, even like Clear Lake, um, Diamond Valley. I mean, our lakes are smaller, but I think the fish, I think fish are everywhere in our lakes. Yeah. Like, like Lopez Lake, there's two arms of it basically. There's the same amount of fish I feel in one arm, as well as the next arm. I mean, it's there's the same amount of fish, but 
sometimes they'll be biting better in one arm or the next just because of the water clarity or yes. the temperature or you know if there's an algae bloom something like that so it i i kind of took that mentality and you know transferred it back there on a bigger scale yeah and so how many of the times like you say you make your plan like what you what you just talked about how many times do you go to run and you find the guy there already and you're like damn you know well, uh, yeah well you know the lake like i said like a lot of these lakes back there many many of them are so vast and so big that you really can't it's not like um it's not like you know going to lake acetas i guess yeah and, and i guess going you're right yeah going to the last creek by the dam <laughs> and there's two boats in there i mean the whole you know lake acetas would be half the size of one small creek at some of these lakes wow so in these third sections i'm talking about uh-huh. e- e- there's so much water there that with shoot even 200 boats you could still you know go okay well i wanted to start there but i'm gonna go over here and i'll work my way back there or, you know that's never been an issue now it has been an issue <laughs> like uh somehow these guys are so amazing that nothing is left unfound even like <laughs> with major league fishing we only have a day and a half of practice basically nothing is left unfound so you may think you found the special little brush pile or this little rock vein and you're like man nobody's gonna find that and you'll go run in there and there'll be guys sitting <laughs> you're like oh my gosh so in that case you know that's why you have other you know you can't i've never been the type of person going i'm just gonna go to that spot right there and i'm gonna fish it all day and i'm gonna win the tournament just because it might be a, a local angler or a, one of your competitors beat you there and then you what are you doing you, you got all your eggs in one basket yeah so you know, you, you try to you try to you know establish a few different patterns, um, as well as a few different types of areas and habitats where you can get bites. Um, you know, and and with 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 our format now also is we we fish in groups, which I'm sure you've read about, where yeah. Group A fishes say Friday, Group B fishes uh, Saturday. And so you have days off. So really our tournaments are a week long and especially wow. this time of year, like at fork, I'll give you a perfect example uh-huh. in practice. The areas that I practiced in, I had, I had several nice bites um, that I shook off. I seen some of them and, and they were like pre spawners by the time. Cause I was in group B by the time my tournament day started, I couldn't get bit where I was trying to catch them because they all went to the bank, started spawning the same uh. fish they had to have. Cause I never, I think I had one bite doing what I was doing, flipping the outside trees and, and stumps and things like that way out off the bank, like not way out, probably hundred yards off the bank. And I never, I'm, I'm, the whole first period, I think I had like one bite and I'm like, what is going on? Oh, I slid up by the bank and they're all spawning. So just like that, it changed. Yeah. So you got to be willing, you know, and able to entrust your your instincts to adapt to that, to be like, all right, you know, this is what I was doing, but it's not working anymore. I got to, you know, what would I normally do? If I was out fun fishing or just trying to catch bass, 
what would I do if I was just out here to have fun? And nine times out of 10, that works. If you, if you let yourself do that, if you keep, if I would have kept doing what I was doing in practice, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done well in that term at all. Wow. Yeah. And, and when you're practicing, here's another question I have. Uh, <laughs> if you catch, say you start catching some good fish there and you have a guy next to you or someone fishing by you, will yep. you like try to keep the rod down so the dude doesn't see you going, Oh, he's catching well, over there. You know in, what I'm in saying? In practice, kind of my rule of thumb is, is like when I get into an area, you know, if I'm by myself, you know, nobody's watching or, you know, nobody's fishing near me, I'll set the hook on like, maybe the first one or two I get, I get bit by mm-hmm. just to kind of see the size, um, and looking at the fish, especially this time of year, it lets you know a lot like pre-spawn if they're are spawning or if they're post-spawn, um, and the size too. Right. I mean, cause at, at many of these lakes, uh, pretty much all our lakes in California, you might get into an area and like Lopez, I went out to Lopez the other day before fork and there were certain areas where you would only catch a pound, you know, a pound to two pound fish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go to another area and you, the first couple bites you get were three and a half to four and a half pounders. And you're like, okay, the better fish are over here. Or the females are biting here, not over there. Then after that, after I kind of, you know, catch one or two, I'll roll my hooks over. Or if I'm throwing a reaction bait, I'll bend my trebles over. Um, and then I got these little hook guards that I made out of wire. Mm-hmm. I take the, you know, the copper wiring out of like a 10 gauge wire or eight gauge wire yeah. and I'll pull the wiring out and snip the, you know, the little rubber housing off and cover my hooks like a spinner bait, a chatter bait, a buzz bait, or whatever, anything mm-hmm. with a single hook. And you, you'd be shocked at how many fish you actually shake off and then the very next day you go back and you get to bite wow I mean, so i i try not to catch a lot of fish in practice um just especially in our format now where you know every legal two pound fish counts so yeah you know you you don't want to go out there and catch you know you you don't want to be the guy that uh wins practice <laughs> oh dude i had 35 fish today okay uh, well, let's see how you do tomorrow. Oh, I yeah. only caught three. Well, maybe you should have saved them for the, you know, for the tournament, maybe. So, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it, it's, it's very kind of, it, it kind of sucks. I mean, it does shake them <laughs> off because inevitably, you know, something happens with the weather or something like that. And they change anyway, but you know, I, I'm one of those that's like, if I catch a 10 pounder, the odds of me catching that same 10 pounder the very next day is not good. If I stick a hook in it and wrestle it around and let it go. And I mean, the yeah. fish isn't hurt, but it, you educated it. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's never a good thing. So I, I try, you know, I, I, I try not to catch as many fish as possible in practice. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's a good point, man. I mean, even that hook, the hook uh, guard thing's really good. I mean, with the piece of wire on a spinnerbait too. I mean, yeah, like you yeah, said, you know, and that's something. Um, you know, they what happened is is Jackal, a sponsor of mine, uh, their their bladed jigs. It's called a break blade. You can only get them in Japan, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, they come with this little uh, like a wire guard, and I'm like, 
dang man so i was saving those like you know taking them off and like had a little stash of them i'm like what would be like that well i was doing something to my boat trailer a couple of years back and i pulled some wire and it came out of that housing and i'm like dude that is perfect for that <laughs> so you can cut it to whatever length you want like I, right now on my boat in texas i got probably i don't know a three foot piece of that that i just keep in my rod locker and yeah you just take a pair of scissors, cut the cut the housing, you know, a little plastic part, slide it over your hook, and you won't hook. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's but a good, you got to remember to just take it off before the tournament. <laughs> Have you ever left it on on accident? I I haven't. I'm I'm really kind of <laughs> uh, a freak about all that. Like my wife goes crazy. Like when she was in Texas, and, and uh, I was getting ready for the tournament the next day, and. I had my rods all in there and I'm sharpening hooks. She's like, Oh my gosh. I mean, do you do this stuff? Like, you know, all the time. I'm like, well, you know, the way I look at it is like this. You got a lot of money on the line. Mm -hmm. You got, you know, you, you, you can only control a certain amount of things and I am not going to sacrifice losing a fish or a tournament or anything like that over, some fishing line or uh, a hook that will, you know, that had a little bend in it or I want everything perfect because like I said, those are the things I can control. I can't control the weather. I can't control lake fluctuation. I can't control, you know, the water temperatures and all that. So I want to be, I want to be prepared and, and ready for any possible situation to the best of my ability. Yeah. And, you know, and that, that includes like with my ritual rods, right? I mean, every, I don't do it every day, but I'd say before every tournament, I'll just take a cotton swab and wipe the, wipe the, the ceramic, you know, guides mm-hmm. on the end, you know, through your guides, because mm-hmm. one little nick in those guides, you know, if you're hung up on a stump or whatever it may be, and you're shoving your rod tip down there, which you shouldn't do, but we all do it. <laughs> and you nick a guide it's going to slice fluorocarbon like nothing you ever seen. How many so, times, how many times have you actually found, Oh, I got a good Nick on the guide. Uh, probably I'll probably find three or four of them a year. From, you know, shove my rod in the water, getting, get my crankbaits unhung off a stump or a tree limb or something like that. Um, and even, even, you know, banging around the rod lockers, um, stuff like that i mean stuff happens you know um but yeah for i aaron martin's taught me that probably i don't know shoot it's probably been 10 12 years ago wow when i first started the elites right around that time frame so i at that point i was camping with uh greg guitarist and he aaron martin's was with his trailer and stuff next to us and i've seen him sitting out there with these q-tips i'm like what is he doing now? Man? I mean, he's always got something going on. So I walked over there. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, yeah, dude, check this thing. In. Watch this. And he showed me and I'm like, yeah, big deal. What are you cleaning your guides? All right. cool." <laughs> he's like, no, look, dude, look what I found. And he did that, you know, in the, the cotton or the Q-tip, a little cotton part of it got caught on something. He's like, yeah, dude, I have to replace this guide. I could have sliced off, you know, my, whatever I was throwing on there. I'm like, dude, that's a great point. You oh, hundred percent. So, like I said, I don't do it like meticulously, like every day, but I'll do it. You know, especially on the rods, I know I'm going to be fishing uh, in that tournament. Takes, I don't know, ten seconds per rod. 
Yeah. You know, and though, like I said, those are the things I can control. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of variables you can't. Yeah. No, I make sense a hundred percent. I think that's a great idea. And like you said, you're, you're doing, you're controlling everything you can in your hands. Right. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um, so your wife is very supportive, man. I can see that yes. on Instagram. Um, yes. How is it doing the switchover? So how old were your kids when you became a professional and actually did this full time? Well, let's see. Um, so I started fishing the elites in 2000. No. Yeah. 2006, I think. Uh-huh. 2005. So up until that point, I delivered milk full time for uh, a family business. Uh-huh. Um, and 2005 was the last year, actually, of the uh, Bassmaster Western Opens out here. And um, I actually got Angler of the Year in that. Wow. And I was still working, you know, full-time. I We had a tournament at Clear Lake, a tournament at Delta, a tournament at Shasta. And I fished local stuff and delivered milk, and life was good. I won Clear Lake, and I was on top of the world. Well, before I even got home from Clear Lake, my wife bought a house. I'm like, we didn't win the lottery. <laughs> like, we didn't win a million dollars here. But anyway... <laughs> She bought this house, and I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, I'm just fishing. Well, I got the, uh, I got the call from, or a letter in the mail actually from Bass saying I qualified for this elite series, and I said no, I can't. I mean, can't just leave my my job. Yeah. And you know, uh, at that point, we had Elise and JC, and I was like, is I, I can't just you know. Elise was what? She was born in 98, so it was eight years old, and JC was four? Wow. Four or five? I'm like, I can't. No, this is too much. And so I, I didn't sign up. Uh, the the deposit date came came and went, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know. Yeah. That's fine. Well, Carrie, my wife, had signed me up. Oh, my God. Put, paid our deposit. Said, you're going. <laughs> so, um that, and that was the hardest part. That that first run um, back then we had eleven regular tournament schedule. Uh, so I left. I want to say mid February, and I was gone till mid April. Gosh, like because we had back to back to back to back. I mean, it was it was crazy, and and that's that's been the hardest part. You know, I've missed a lot of baseball games and basketball games, and you know, school back to school nights and all that stuff. And, and that's honestly been the hardest part is, is, you know, being, not being there for those. But that being said, when I am home, hundred um, percent, right? I could do all those yeah. things all day, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, that's the thing that I could, I could see is when, when I do talk, I have a lot of friends that play in bands and might go on tour and stuff. Yeah. And same thing when they're home, they're a hundred percent, in with the kids and the family you know there's there's right. not anything else to do because you're gone doing your job which is fishing and then you're home 100 percent with the kids yeah which yeah, is still then, i mean like i always wonder it's like making that big jump like uh yeah it, it, uh, it was you know and even the even at that you know that that was first i would say shoot three three four years i still i would you know go back and fish and then i had a guy that we our family trusted he would do my job basically run my milk route wow and then i would fly back home if i got eliminated from a tournament i would leave my truck and boat wherever 
fly back home, jump in the milk truck the next day, deliver milk up until the next tournament date, go back. So I did that for like three years and I was just getting like, you know, uh, I had some success um, and, you know, I was obtaining more sponsors, but, you know, then obviously your job for a sponsor is not only fish the tournament. That's what everybody's like. Oh yeah. You know, you get all these sponsors and, and, and that's, that's awesome. I mean, without, without my sponsors, I, I couldn't do this. But it's not, I didn't feel like it was right for me to go, you know what, I can't go work that or do that for you because I got to go deliver milk. So I was like, kind of, so you you felt like not doing what I needed to be doing for my sponsors, like Tackle Warehouse and, you know, the other ones I had at the time. I said, I I can't, I can't continue to do this. I got to do one or the other. Yeah. Which makes sense. And do you feel like your fishing was, was uh, being affected because you couldn't, focus 100 percent. you were thinking man i gotta get back well, to my milk truck yeah you know, you know I, I yeah those first i would say those first five years like that my rookie season i actually did really really well i was um i think i finished i don't know top five in the points um wow. for my rookie year which was blowed you know i was blown away um uh and then the next year was a total disaster like i finished like 70 of the points or 80 or something ridiculous yeah and and that's when that at first everything was kind of so new and i was so excited to to you know fish lake amistad to to go to see santi cooper and and i was just i kind of treated it for lack of better terms like a vacation because i didn't foresee myself being in this uh more than a year or two i thought you know i'm just gonna do this and kind of get it out of my system so to speak or not requalify i I don't really know what my mindset was at that point Mm -hmm. um but i didn't think it was going to be a career for me and so the more kind of involved and in depth and and you know i grew in this uh i was like holy smokes man now i got you know she was pregnant with Jaden. And I'm running the milk route and I'm flying back to go <laughs> oh to God. Clark's Hill, uh, you know, for six days for a tournament and fly right back home, and deal with my kids and she's not feeling well. And it, yeah. It was, there's a lot of, there's a lot of mental, uh, battles, you know, even we have that even today, you know, my son, he's in Boise state, just went and made a bandit trip up there and picked him up last week. That, so we man. got home <laughs> And I mean, you're concerned about him up there. My daughter, she's off doing her thing. Jaden, he's in baseball and he's got all these activities. And you're like, you know, it, it's still, you know, for all the all the guys, even in the bands and fishermen. And yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it going, man, how do these like professional athletes, like these NBA guys, they go, I mean, they're gone two or three, four nights every week, you know? Yeah. But I guess when they're home, they're home. I mean, what do you do? Because I mean, a lot of guys that probably listen to this, it's like my therapy is fishing. Now, you, your job is fishing. <laughs> so for you, what do you do to like decompress, man? I mean, you know. Well, I mean, like when I get home from a tournament, now you know, I'll uh, I'll just kind of chill out for a couple of days, like. I, I kind of just lock myself in, in the house. I mean, even despite all this stuff we got going on, yeah. but like generally speaking, when I've come home after a couple tournaments in a row or whatever, I'll just kind of want to chill out around the house, turn on my Traeger, 
you know, just, just kind of veg out, just kind yeah. of like decompress, uh, you know, see what the kids got going on and things like that. And then, uh, after about two or three days, I'm like, I gotta go fishing. I mean, I, <laughs> whether it's surf perch fishing here on the beach or rock fishing when the season's open or, you know, I love going out to just Lopez. Like I'm many, many times I borrow my buddy's boats and I'll just go out there because the cell phones used to didn't work out there. Now they do, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they put a cell tower out there. And so now I can't even go out there and have the excuse of my phone doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just go out there and fish for crappie, bass, just whatever. And just kind of, there's no pressure. Like, I'm not going, man, if I don't catch this many pounds, I'm not going to make a check. I don't have to worry about, you know, all these other things. I'm just out there fishing like I used to do before it was, quote, unquote, a job. You know, I mean, I love I love that it is my job. but But, you know. Uh, along along with that like i never dreamed i was one of the i, I was one of those guys that said oh, Den, you know denny brower and gary klein and all these guys that i'm watching on tv jay yellows they got the life man they just drive around they catch all these big fish <laughs> and make all this money and that's a that's oh, they're so lucky yeah <laughs> yeah it is but there, it is a job and yeah. that's what i've learned is it's it's not just you know, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is we're, we are only seeing the, um, uh, you know, the TV shows or the, the live tournament, you know, where you're catching fish. None of the other stuff is being, you know, shown really. And it doesn't need to be, but you know, you're driving freaking from California to Florida, staying in crappy hotels, you know, eating bad food when you have, you know, I, I bring my little portable Traeger now. And yeah, I've uh, seen that. so that's I took cool. a lot on the road, but <laughs> there's all these other things that you don't really think about. And I think that's the same to be said for, you know, all, all the professional athletes, a lot of our military people, you know, the, the sacrifices that they, they make on a daily basis. You don't ever really see that, you know, and, and I've learned like, Man, this kind of sucks. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean I, the reason that I the I fishing asked. part is is <laughs> yes, by far the the greatest thing. It's the best thing I could ever ask for. But all the other little things, you know, I mean, they they just kind of it's like, man, this isn't cool. <laughs> I I read a uh, Iconelli's book. I forgot which one it was, uh-huh. and uh, yep. that's what I I kind of ask those questions because in his book he kind of talks about the grind. Of driving mm-hmm. in between, you know, uh, different tournaments and like eating like crap, you know, at the time and you know whatever mm-hmm. it might be. So it's cool to hear yep. from you, kind of that part of the the tournament series, because I'm sure dudes yeah. don't know that, people yeah. don't know that, you know. Um, let's talk about Ritual a little bit. So that's a local company to me and and some of the listeners down here with uh, Pat and Justin and, and Randy. Uh, when yep. did you hook up with them? Well, so, uh, Pat, um, I don't know, probably, I don't know, shoot, probably six, seven, eight years ago, he was a rep for a company and I, uh, I kind of heard about this infamous Pat (laughs) (laughs) through, through my friends at Tackle Warehouse and they're like, yeah, this guy, you know, and, uh, we became friends and then he repped for the same company that I was a sponsor of. He helped me get involved in all that. 
and we became really good friends. And then, uh, you know, throughout the course of everything, uh, he introduced me to Justin and Randy, but actually I had known them before. This is a weird story. They came up for, uh, uh, to Lopez Lake, Benny Florentino actually, when he was working down here in Aurora Grandier, he put on a St. Jude's benefit tournament out here at Lopez. Oh, wow. Well, Randy and Justin came down to do kind of a filming for, uh, shoot, I forget the name of the TV show. It's uh, Inside Sport Fishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Inside Sport Fishing. Um, and they actually, they actually like filmed me and my partner Nick fishing and stuff. So I knew them, but I didn't really know them. You know, it was kind of a weird deal. And, uh, so when Pat had the opportunity to um, move to a different job and where he's currently at, yeah, we started toying with this idea of, dude, let's, you know, you, you know a lot about rods. You know <laughs> what you like. Um, I kind of have the, you know, the resources to make this happen. What do you think? And, and between... All four of us, we had many meetings, and some of them were good, some of them weren't so good. Uh, we did some fishing, and we just kind of came up with this game plan. Um, we we put together some rods and, you know, did some sampling. That, that was the hardest, kind of longest part was be like, okay, man, what do you think about this? Yeah, it's okay, but. <laughs> well what do you think about this uh yeah we need to change this and it got kind of got frustrating because of the time issue and the investment yeah but at the same time my whole thing with with ritual is is look i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fish with something that other people you know in other words if i'm fishing with ritual rods I, I truly 100% believe in these rods, and that that is the that is the best in my opinion. And that's going to be the same rod you can go to the store and buy. Not not oh Jared's got these rods, but they're selling these other yeah, ones. You know? Yeah, yeah, no. I get it. So I wanted them perfect for for you know, I mean, all of our names are on them, and and you know, there's a lot of uh, pride and satisfaction in that. People are taking these actions of rods, going out, catching fish, and and it's it's cool. I mean, it's a really, really um, kind of it's a humbling yet satisfactory, satisfying not satisfactory, satisfying experience. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the whole thing, and and like even to this day, Pat and I talk on a regular basis, and I'll be like, yeah, man, well, you know, what do you think about, you know, maybe we should come up with a with a spinning rod for, you know, when you go up north, these guys are fishing these great big smallmouth and there's deeper water, there's current and all this stuff. We need a heavier action spinning rod. Okay, well, what's that going to take? Well, we need to get a sample kind of going and different things like that. And it's kind of cool to to be in that side of things as opposed to going, here's this rod. This is what we designed it for. Go out and fish, fish with it. Yeah, yeah. Now I could go, you know what, dude? It's nice and it's kind of right, but if we did this, it would be perfect. Okay, Jared. Well, let me go try to make these changes, and he gets pissed <laughs> at me. And but ultimately, I mean, we're building a really, really good product at, at a really uh, affordable price. I mean, rods. It's kind of weird how how the rod market has been over the past, I'd say, ten years. There's been real high spikes and in huge like 
you know, three, four, five, six, seven hundred dollar rods, and then all of a sudden it went down to you know there was a bunch of rods in the eighty dollar to you know or sixty dollar to a hundred dollar rods. Yeah, and now it's kind of like everybody you know is like man, you know let's let's get let's get it in a more affordable you know price. I mean it's a fishing rod. I mean, that's what, that's what it all comes down to is you still got to have the sensitivity and the backbone or whatever for that application, but we're just trying to make a real premium product at an affordable price. And I, I think we're doing a you know, a good job of it. Of course I'm biased, but, um, uh, I, I really like the rods. I mean, you know, people, I was, when I was at Quitman, Texas, where my boat's at, this guy comes up to me and he's like, you mind if I look at your rods? I'm like, yeah, man, they're right there. I was getting gas. And uh, I said, they're right there on my deck. And he's like looking at him. He's like, oh. He's like, well, yeah, these are the same rods that, that my buddy or somebody, I forget, his cousin or something. Yeah. It's the same same one. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I figured you were throwing something different. I'm like, why, dude? I go, I designed them. Yeah. Why yeah. would I do that? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, Oh, okay. He's like, well, can I feel this one? I, I was looking at this and I'm like, yeah, dude. So I pulled over and we did, I freaking, he went through all my rods. <laughs> this guy's crazy. Which is cool. That's, that's super cool that you're, you're personable like that. And you, you know, oh, yeah. some dudes yeah. might not do that. Just, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's funny because like, like when I first started fishing out east, it's funny you say that back east, uh, you know, guys would be like, man, what's up with him? You know, I heard this through my buddies like McClellan and Crete and Faircloth. <laughs> What's up with Littner? And they they asked me, and I'm like, "What are you talking about? Here, you lo- always look so mad." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I, go, I think it's my mustache that it kind of almost puts a frown on my face. Hey, but it's, no, a, it's man, a strong I'm, mustache, you know, very strong. <laughs> I don't know what the deal with that was, but yeah, everybody always used to be like, "I, I don't know if I want to talk to him." <laughs> Whatever. Um, and you, you, so you grew up in a Rio Grande, so you been around with tackle warehouse since the beginning yeah man that that whole thing is is uh yeah that's awesome uh i tell you a quick story so uh years ago one of my best friends um he he was going to cal poly right here in san luis obispo mm-hmm. and we were fishing we fished we were friends all the way you know uh through high school <laughs> and we started fishing local tournaments, you know, little uh, Gold Coast Bass Club, and we had aluminum Valco boats <laughs> and little Game Fisher motors and ice chests for uh, live wells and the whole deal. And, uh, you know, we were bass heads and just doing anything we could to get to the lake. Well, he goes to Cal Poly, and he's stringing tennis rackets at Tennis Warehouse. And I was working for my dad doing the milk thing and we're just fishing, fishing, fishing. Well, he basically somehow has a meeting with the powers of B and they say this bass fishing thing, what, what, what is this? And he kind of, you know, gave him more information, more information and make a long story short, it turned into tackle warehouse. That's wild. Yeah. That's and crazy. It, it's been, you know, yeah, before it was, tackle warehouse uh you know it 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 was it was crazy it's crazy to see it go from you know an idea of you know 
me and him just out on the lake talking about this possibility to where it is now. It's just like, wow, that really happened. It's you like know, it's like it, tackle warehouse is like Amazon pretty much of fishing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's a major, huge, heavy hitter, big player. You know, and, and yeah, it, it. You know, I would say when when was that? I'd probably say two thousand and four, two thousand three. Wow. You know. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, I didn't really start fishing like hard until. Like really got into it. I was 2009, so I mean a lot of this. I'm late to the the party because I I like I said I played in bands and then my kid actually got, my kid got a fishing rod for his birthday when he was five, and that's nice. how I got into fishing. <laughs> so it's it's funny, and like I that's why I talked about I, I was a big surf fisherman, you know. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I talked to you about you know I, that's what I did for like five six years straight with just surf fish. Right. So. And you do a little bit of that up there too. You do it all. That's cool, man. You know, yeah, that's man. Cool, man. I mean, this, this area that we live in, um, you know, that where I'm at. I mean, we go to Lopez, Margarita, Nosmeno. Used to be Kachuma, yeah. But basically, all these lakes were within one hour. Wow. Of of my house, and so, you know, you had all these different varieties of lakes different varieties of bass you know spotted bass florida strain northern strain smallmouth i mean so i got to learn a lot right here and then at the same time like you said my brother now owns uh port san Luis boat harbor oh wow. right here i mean 15 minutes from my house yeah the surf, or the beach is two miles from my house so i can go rock fishing salmon fishing <laughs> you know the turkey never calls me until it's too late for the sea bass anymore <laughs> sure but yeah i mean it's it's, it's kind of cool that you know there's so many different things to do right here revolving fishing that you know uh, that's that's probably the number one question i get asked when i back east like in you know oklahoma or wherever california where do you live at i'm like right on the coast oh so you you surf how'd you get into fishing and i'm like dude no i've never surfed in my life I, I don't mind it but i just never got into it i said but you got the ocean which has fish in it and all of our lakes yeah oh i didn't realize that i thought oh, you guys just surfed I'm like no no oh that's yeah. hilarious dude. so it's just kind of kind of different but um yeah um so uh thanks for coming on jared i appreciate it let's uh give a shout out to your sponsors that way uh you know if anyone's listening sure. yeah go ahead yeah well tackle warehouse ranger boats mercury marine uh ritual angling Daiwa, sunline afco you guys are ba- uh down there by afco aren't you yeah yeah actually really close to afco yeah um afco uh eco pro i know i'm forgetting some some uh <laughs> th marine they make some good stuff uh shoot i wish i had my list in front of me <laughs> but uh oh yeah if if people didn't hear about that sunline giveaway deal i have on my instagram make sure check that out yeah yeah well, I'll, I'll post that up to you when we do the episode yeah it's pretty i mean shoot man free shadow can't do nothing wrong <laughs> right? that. Oh, oh and i got a new one skb cases man they're getting into I've seen that have I've you seen, seen those things for the uh for the uh like saltwater application for no the, i used them my whole life for uh music stuff Oh yeah, yeah, my, yeah. That's my where they originated from. Yeah, but yeah, you got to check out their. Um, so they make like a like a 
tackle box. Uh-huh. And it's kind of, I think originally it was designed for saltwater application, meaning, you know, those big jig, big diamond jigs, and yeah. things like that. And the thing is, like, I think you could run it over with a truck. I mean, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, but really durable and stuff like that so i'm pretty excited about that they want to break into the freshwater market and get some things going with that great, so uh great hopefully we're gonna we're gonna get some cool stuff going on and get after that yeah well uh thanks again for coming on stay safe man during this whole thing good luck on yeah. the rest of the series hope you do well man thanks man i hope we get to fish sooner than later i'm yeah. going crazy <laughs> all right thanks Derek. all right thanks for having me on guys all right take care all right,